Hey there, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. Really great to be back with you guys once again as we are getting into the, uh, the offseason for sure as the Houston Astros took care of the Phillies. Uh, thank goodness the Phillies are not world champions. Um, and, you know, don't, don't feel super enthusiastic about the Astros being world champions. But nonetheless, that's how it went down. And the really good news for Braves fans is we can get this offseason rolling and start talking about what the Braves are going to look like in 2023. So a few small uh, moves have already happened for the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos. Uh, just go through those really quick, quickly, and then we'll get into the meat of this episode, which will be focusing on what the Braves are going to do uh, beyond shortstop. Our last episode was on Dansby Swanson primarily and what the Braves might do at shortstop as we compared him to some of the other big uh, options out there. Um, today, we will be looking at primarily left field and starting pitching uh, as uh, the Braves are uh, at least talking a little bit about um, uh, getting into those markets. So first off, uh, the Braves acquired Sam Hilliard from Colorado. This guy's an outfielder, um, uh, somewhat younger guy, not super young, but uh, at least young in his baseball career. Um, seems like a guy who uh, definitely has some power. He's huge. He's 6'5", 230. Uh, so definitely has a, some pop in his bat, but a lot of, a lot of strikeouts over, um, over the course of his first few seasons, which seems to be holding him down. He definitely did not have a good year with Colorado this year. Only a couple home runs hit 185. So I think this is a definitely a, a cheap acquisition for the Braves as they take a flyer on a guy. Maybe, maybe they think he, uh, they can figure out something with his swing and, uh, and he can do something for them. Um, he seems to be a decent, um, outfielder defensively. So, you know, if you can get something out of his bat, maybe he turns turns into a, a good fourth outfielder or that sort of thing. The Braves also, uh, just recently signed Nick Anderson. This is an interesting signing. He was the, uh, uh, he's one of the better relief pitchers in all of baseball for a two-year stretch with the Marlins and then Tampa Bay. He was actually Tampa Bay's closer uh, for some time and has dealt with elbow issues for the last year, year and a half. So definitely a high upside signing for the Braves. Uh, he only cost um, $875,000 on a one-year deal. So it's one of those things. I uh, kind of think of this as like another Kirby Yates type of signing. If the Braves can get something out of him, uh, they will be happy for it. Uh, and then another bullpen depth move as the Braves re-sign Jesse Chavez. He's coming back, guys. Um, and, and that's uh, the coach, as they call him in the bullpen. Uh, this is not really surprising. He has been one of the more popular Braves in the clubhouse over this two-year run. Of course, he uh, was tr uh, the Braves traded for him two, two times last season. Uh, he finished the year with the Braves. And he always seems to pitch pretty well. He is 39, so he's probably uh, in the waning uh, years of his um, of his career. But hopefully, the Braves can get another good year out of Jeff Jesse Chavez as the bullpen uh, depth continues to grow. So that is definitely a good thing. So you know, as we get into this episode, talking about what the Braves are going to do this off season, uh, particularly beyond shortstop, it is just important to remember that. Um, you know, when you think about these options, you have to think about the money, right? It all starts there. How much do the Braves actually have to spend? How much are they willing to add to their payroll? Uh, 
one thing that Anthopoulos, uh, the Braves general manager, did this season was he started to extend a lot of different players and players that I think it was really smart to do that with. Um, guys like Austin Riley, Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, just to name a few. Uh, and yet what that means is the Braves payroll is naturally on the upswing. It is going up. Uh, it is already, if the um, if the season started tomorrow, the Braves would have the highest payroll in the history of the franchise, uh, nearing $200 million. So um, how much will they spend beyond that? Certainly they're going to spend something in this offseason. How much will they go over it remains to be seen. Um, several in the Braves organization have said that um, payroll is going to continue to go up. Possibly the Braves could get into a top five payroll. Terry McGurk, uh, the Braves president, and mentioned something to that, and a lot of people have have grabbed onto that. Um, and you know, certainly the Braves being a top five payroll has not happened since the years of Ted Turner, uh, really spending a lot of money in his in his time uh, as the Braves owner. So we're obviously going to have to see how that plays out. Um, it's always a little unclear with Liberty Media what exactly they're willing to spend, uh, but the, there's no doubt that the Braves have made uh, tremendous money over the last two years, um, 2021 winning the World Series, and then this year having just awesome fan support at Truist Park. So let's just go through really quickly. So the, the biggest holes, and again, with all of these extensions, the Braves don't have many holes to fill. I would, I would um, be willing to bet that they have some of the fewest holes to fill of any team in baseball. Uh, you know, they're young and they have all these extensions signed. So there's not a lot to do, uh, but there's some important things to do for sure. So shortstop is obviously at the top of the list with Dansby Swanson and the question there. But left field was definitely the weak spot of this team in 2022. And so can the Braves improve upon that uh, with a move here or a move there? Starting pitching is one that a lot of people have thrown out. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And, um, you know, if if that is a smart way to to utilize uh, Braves funds and then maybe talk just slightly about the bullpen and uh, the depth of the bench as well. I might just talk about that in passing, but we'll definitely spend some time on left field and starting pitching today. So just to review, and I do encourage you guys to go back and listen to the episode I did on Dansby Swanson and the shortstop options, but just a brief review. You know, the question is, will the Braves give Dansby um, a big contract? You know, a lot of people are throwing out around six years, $150 million or thereabouts. Uh, are the Braves willing to go anywhere close to that? Um, if they're, if they're not, is Dansby willing to take some kind of discount because he wants to stay in Atlanta? Um, I, I would be willing to bet that the Braves are much more comfortable with um, with five years um, and certainly, you know, closer to 22 million, 20 million dollars a year. So that would be pretty far off from 150 million. So obviously, um, you know, they're they're definitely in talks right now. Uh, one of the challenges is, of course, Dansby has the same agent as Freddie Freeman. So um, will Dansby be a little more proactive and um, in the room with these negotiations uh, than Freddie was, which was probably one of the, the big reasons that that didn't work out. Um, we will see. I, I think he probably is. And if he is, I think there's a lot better chance that there is some kind of uh, deal that is done between Dansby and the Braves. Um, 
if Dansby uh, does not, you know, take uh, a deal from the Braves, would the Braves give uh, a bigger contract to some of these other guys that have not worn a Braves uniform, have not proven that leadership in the clubhouse, that sort of thing that obviously Dansby has? Uh, you know, I've, I've already talked about it. These guys are better offensive players than Dansby, but there's so many intangibles, uh, including um, the defense that he brings to the field as well. Would they give Bogarts, you know, $28 million a year? Would they give Correa or Turner $30-plus million a year? It's hard to believe they would do that if they're not willing to step up and pay Dansby. Um, you know, would they instead pivot and trade for a guy like Willie Adamas for for the Brewers? I, I mentioned that as one possibility. Do they just trust Vaughn Grissom as the backup plan and let him play shortstop next year? Um, you know, just let him work as, as hard as possible to get ready defensively and go for it. Uh, do they go for maybe a one-year placeholder kind of guy? You know, sign somebody to a one-year deal, uh, let Grissom try to get ready in the minors for a year, and just improve for a little longer. Uh, guys like Jose Iglesias or Elvis Andrews would be possibilities there. Or do you go outside the box? And an outside the box idea, I've heard a couple people mention this, um, is do you shift Ozzy Albies to shortstop uh, as he obviously came up through the minors primarily as a shortstop and allow Grissom to stay at second base? I think that would be really difficult for Ozzy to do at this stage of his career, especially coming off some injuries. Um, I don't think Ozzy is a gold glove shortstop, uh, and he's at least a gold glove, um, you know, in the conversation kind of gold glove candidate at second base. So I think it would bring down Ozzy's value some. Uh, do I think that is totally impossible to happen? Uh, no, I actually don't think it's totally impossible. Um, I don't know that it's my favorite uh, thing to do, but in terms of internal options and not having to spend uh, big money to go out and get a shortstop. It is kind of intriguing when you actually sit down and think about it for, for a second. So, so those are all the different, you know, things out there at shortstop. Maybe there's somebody else that I'm not even thinking about that the Braves, you know, have on their radar as a backup plan for Dansby. I do think Dansby is their number one plan regardless, and they'll have to pivot if, um, if it doesn't happen. But anyways, let's go ahead and look at left field. So, you know, as we look at the outfield uh, options that are that are out there on the free agent market, before I do that, I do want to just remind you of the state of the Braves' uh, left field options currently. And it's not pretty, let's be honest. I mean, Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario are the primary left field candidates. It's hard to even call Ozuna a left field candidate because, of course, he's such a poor left fielder. Um, he's really more of a DH. But um, they were forced to play Ozuna way more in left field than I ever anticipated this past season. Um, and, of course, Rosario is not really a gold glove left fielder either. So these two guys are coming back. Uh, the guys who are free agents, Robbie Grossman is a free agent. Adam Duvall is a free agent. Um, so let's talk about Rosario and Ozuna. I think with the Rosario, you know, he signed for one more year uh, at $9 million. He had all those eye issues last year. I think you simply, I think the Braves will simply ride it out with Rosario, whatever role he ends up playing for them next season, whether it's more of a bench, you know, uh, bench role, uh, whether it's, you know, sometimes left field, sometimes DH. I don't know what that's going to look like. 
I don't know that they're actively going to shop Rosario. Maybe they do. Maybe they're able to move him uh, a little more easily than moving Ozuna. Uh, has, uh, obviously, that has not been very easy to do for the Braves. So maybe they try that, and maybe they have a taker. Uh, we'll have to see on that, but I think it's more likely that we see Rosario back and the Braves continue to bet on him turning it around in some way. We've seen the best of Rosario uh, in 2021, we know what that looks like, and it's hard not to continue to try to get that out of him again. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. It, you know, last offseason, I was I was beating this drum, but the Braves need to release Marcelo Zuna. It is past time, you know, after they bring him back um, following the, the d- domestic violence stuff, they bring him back, and then, of course, he has this ugly incident with the uh, drunk driving uh, arrest, uh, and not to mention just on the field, he was absolutely terrible in 2022, uh, both at the plate and in the field. You expect it in the field, but at the plate, I mean, you kind of assume he's going to still be a pretty valuable hitter, and he simply wasn't. And and he hasn't been the last two seasons. This isn't doesn't seem to be a blip on the radar for Ozuna offensively. Um, it's simply a bad contract. Uh, two years and $32 million is remaining on Ozuna's contract. And will the Braves be able to move that? I just don't think so. There's been a lot of chatter out there that the Braves tried to, you know, swap bad contracts with the Marlins, uh, for Avasil Garcia, um, and for, um, uh, Patrick Corbin of, uh, the Nationals, which is probably the worst contract in all baseball, or you know, at least top three worst contracts, and even they wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's it's hard to believe that the Braves are going to be able to find any suitors for Ozuna. And I, honestly, I don't even really like the idea of these bad contract swaps. Ultimately, uh, you haven't got much out of this Ozuna deal at all, and it probably is time to simply release them. I just I think that would actually be better than taking on some other bad contract that might extend beyond the two years of money that you're paying Ozuna. So I really hope that the Braves come to that. They just get them off the team and can start fresh. And yet it really stinks that you got to pay somebody $32 million like Marcelo Ozuna to not play for you. But I think they pretty much are at that point. Um, so if you release Ozuna, you know, if you let it ride with, with Rosario, but maybe in a lesser role, what do you do with left field? Obviously you have a lot of opportunity to improve that position. Um, you know, some people have thrown out that you should bring back Adam Duvall. Uh, he had pretty much a lost season last year. I think if Duvall does come back, I, I think he also comes back in a kind of a bench role. I actually like him much better in that role, um, compared to Guillermo Heredia, you know, Heredia is making just a million dollars. I think it's probably time for him to go as, as nice as he is to have on the bench swinging the swords and having fun. And I think he's a big clubhouse guy. You know, he's just not giving you anything on the field. Uh, Duvall obviously can, can play all three outfield positions. He, you know, he brings a lot more power. Uh, he's inconsistent offensively, but he just can do a lot more offensively than certainly Guillermo Heredia can do. And if someone were to get injured, then you wouldn't feel bad with Duvall plugging in anywhere in the outfield. Uh, I know the Braves love Duvall in the clubhouse, so it makes a lot of sense that he probably will be back 
on maybe a five or six million dollar deal, uh, I would look for that. Uh, while I wouldn't necessarily actively be, you know, sold out to bring Duvall back, I wouldn't be upset about it if he's coming back as kind of a bench piece and they, they aren't bringing him back as your starting left fielder. Uh, I also just want to mention once again that Justin Henry Malloy is probably now the Braves' top position player in the minor leagues. He had a tremendous year um, across multiple levels last year. He hit 285 with a very impressive 404 on base percentage and a 450 slugging percentage. He's got power. He has the ability to get on base consistently. Uh, he's just a good hitter. Uh, his weakness is probably defensively. He started um, at third base. Uh, and then they have probably mid-season this year moved him to left field. So that's kind of interesting that they are, you know, positioning him in obviously uh, maybe a position where he's more capable, but also a position of need for the team. I'm I'm not necessarily thinking that they would bring him into camp and that he would, you know, break break camp in the big leagues for the Braves in left field. But I do think it's something that the Braves might be considering as more of the long-term option. Um, I don't think any team particularly just banks on a prospect, um, you know, being there and, and, and doing it, you know, over the long haul, if they haven't proved it before, uh, it's hard to plan your team like that, but it has to be in the back of the Braves mind that maybe we don't go out and, and sign somebody long, long term for big money if we really believe in Justin Henry Malloy. So that's something that the Braves, you know, they're going to have a, a much more inside track on is he really someone that they trust uh, over the long haul. If we see that the Braves do maybe some more minor things on one-year deals for left fielders this year, it might be a clue that Justin Henry Malloy is their plan for the future in left field. But as we go through, let's just talk about some outfield options that are there on the market. Um, you know, if the Braves don't just kind of keep the status quo and do kind of a Rosario Duval Ozuna, you know, something like that in left field for 2023. So the elephant in the room, the, the absolute best outfield option on the market is Aaron Judge. Um, yeah, we can all dream of that, that the Braves would go out and pay $40 million a year for Aaron Judge. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, could um, the Braves not re-sign Swanson? And, you know, <laughs> Judge loves Atlanta, and they go out. I mean, okay, I guess it's possible. I haven't heard anything out there that hints that the Braves would do that um, or that, you know, Judge is particularly – I mean, I think probably he would – like Atlanta, but uh, I don't think he has anything against Atlanta. I'm sure uh, if they approached him and gave him a contract that he thought was, um, you know, fair, then he would certainly entertain that. But I just don't think it's going to happen. That size of a contract has never been done in Atlanta history. So, I, no, I don't think Aaron Judge is likely a target for the Braves. So let's let's look at some of maybe the more realistic guys. Uh, Andrew Benintendi. Uh, spent most of the season with the Royals last year, uh, finished the year with the Yankees, uh, got traded there, and then unfortunately for him got hurt. He was having one of the better years of his career. He's only 29 years old as he's entering, entering free agency. Um, and, you know, I'm using this uh, sport track um, website that, that shows uh, free agent um, contract uh contracts and what they are projecting 
the value, uh, the market value of these players to be. Okay, so I'm just using that as a template, uh, something to go off of. It might not be super, super accurate and things can probably adjust um, and impact what a player actually will get, but we're using that. So they they project Benintendi to have around a $17 million per year uh, contract offer this off season. Uh, so again, 29 years old, uh, that's good that he's entering free agency before 30. Uh, it means that he probably will be able to command a little bit longer of a contract. The really good thing about Benintendi, he has a little pop. It seems like he sacrificed some of that for higher average and higher on-base percentage, uh, and it might have been to his benefit. Uh, he was uh, an all-star this year. I think maybe it might have been the first time, maybe the second time in his career uh, that he was an all-star, but he's a really good defensive outfielder. I think the Braves would like that on top of being a good on-base guy. That is something that they have struggled with um, over the last couple of years, so adding somebody like that to the mix I think would balance the um, the lineup a lot. So I like Benintendi as a potential option, but he is going to be one of the more expensive guys out there. Uh, Mitch Haniger really had a down year, uh, and he's getting older. He's around 32 years old, um, and he'll probably command around $15 million a year coming from Seattle. He's had some great seasons, um, but again, he hasn't done it in a little while, so that makes me a little nervous. Jock Peterson, uh, definitely mentioned him, the Braves. Um, fans are, are certainly familiar with Jock as, um, you know, the bringer of the pearls. Uh, he will be 30, uh, next season in command, a contract, probably around $14 million, maybe a little less, but Jock had a really good year with the Giants last year. Uh, actually was an all-star, um, kind of came, came down to earth a little bit in the second half, but still very good year for him. Michael Brantley. Uh, has been with the Astros for a number of years. He's on the older end of things. He's he's around 35, um, and he was hurt this much of this season. So this brings down his pro probably his value a little bit, maybe around an eight million dollar contract. I like Brantley a lot too. He's also while he's bringing a little less power, he's bringing a little higher average and on base percentage, similar to Benintendi, and he is doing so at um, a lesser rate. Is he a guy that's going to play left field every day? Maybe not. He might be a guy that you would have to kind of platoon and and uh, hit as a DH at times. Robbie Grossman, of course, finished the season with the Braves, uh, and he will be a free agent. 33 years old, uh, will probably command something around $7 million. Grossman was a little hot and cold for the Braves. I, I don't know that I'm totally on board with him coming back. I'm not totally opposed to him generally as a player. I just, nothing about bringing him back really excites me. I've already mentioned Duval. Um, Sport Track um, puts his market value around $7 million. I think the Braves could probably bring him back for a little less than that. I think he loves being in Atlanta and would want to stay a Brave if they offered him a contract. So maybe they could get him you know, closer to 5 or $6 million coming off of that injury on a one-year deal. Uh, we'll see about that. Um, and then Michael Conforto, I will mention him. He he had a totally lost 2022 season as he had some uh, fairly major shoulder issues. I think that in of itself is a red flag for me. He's only 30, and Sport Track has him at around $20 million um, contract, which to me is really high. He is a, a very talented player. Conforto is one of those guys who I feel like has never really reached his full potential. 
Uh, he's one of those guys that looks like when he really makes contact, hard contact, his swing looks really pretty. Uh, he looks like a great player, but he doesn't make consistent contact. He's had some good stretches, but he hasn't put together um, really great seasons. So I, I would step away from Conforto. I know a lot of people like him, but unless you're getting him for much less than that, I wouldn't really consider Michael Conforto. Uh, so those are kind of the, the guys. That's not the complete list of free agent outfielders out there, but I thought those were guys that maybe fit the Braves a little better or were worth mentioning. Um, three other guys that I think would be worth looking into for trades. Ian Happ uh, with the Cubs. He's only 28 years old. He makes $10 million this year. Uh, this is the last year um, that he is uh, arbitration eligible, and so he'll be a free agent after this season. Um, and so he might be a guy that if the Braves did go out and get, they could possibly extend if they were interested in doing that. I think he would fit really well. Uh, he's capable of playing the infield as well as being a really good uh, defensive outfielder. And he's uh, he was an all-star last year. He's a really good player. He would be expensive to get. I don't know that the Cubs would be interested in trading for him. Uh, there's been a lot of um, talk that the Cubs actually are going to try to bounce back next season, go after maybe one of the big-name shortstops. So if they do that, it's hard to believe that Ian Happ would be on the way out. But uh, I do think he's one worth looking into. Uh, Hunter Renfro, if the Brewers start selling off guys, I think Hunter Renfro would be interesting. Uh, big power. He's uh, a solid defensive outfielder. Uh, he has some holes in his swing for sure. I don't think this is the best uh, fit because he kind of fits in with a lot of what the Braves uh, already don't do well and that swing and miss. But uh, he's maybe one to at least look into. And then Brandon Drury, who had a great season this year, got traded ultimately from the Reds to the Padres. I've always been a fan of Drury, especially obviously this year as he has had the uh, year of his career. He's only 30 years old uh, because uh, he you know, really hasn't done it uh, longer than this last year. Uh, he's probably only on track for maybe a nine or 10 million, 10 million a year. Um, for his for this contract. I don't know how many years he could get, uh, but that's something interesting. He's really primarily an infielder, but he's played outfield in his career as well. So I think that's just something interesting to look for if you're thinking maybe a little outside the box. He's a really good hitter. Um, so those, um, those are the guys that I'm looking at for left field. Um, obviously, left field is something that Guys can transition to left field. There's a lot more outfielders out there uh, in trades that probably I have overlooked. But I think it is um, definitely an area. It's the most obvious area the Braves could improve their team this season. All right, let's shift to starting pitching. So just as a reminder, the Braves have a really solid four guys coming back um, this season. Freed, Wright, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton. Remember, Morton got basically re-signed to a one-year $20 million contract. I was a little surprised that the Braves would give him that much money since he didn't really have a super great season. Uh, but nonetheless, I think they love him in the clubhouse. And I think there's some belief in the Braves organization that that broken leg from the World Series and him not having a really a normal offseason really hurt him. So I think they're banking on that. He, he still can throw the ball 95-plus. 
uh, with a really good curveball. So hopefully Morton, even though he's going to be 40 next year, can have a bounce back and uh, maybe finish. I, I would kind of be surprised if he pitches beyond next year, but maybe finish his career well with a good season. Nonetheless, the Braves have to be, feel pretty good about their top four guys. Um, as Freed is a Cy Young uh, finalist, unlikely to win it uh, since Sandy Alcantara was so, so good with the Marlins, but still really good. Wright, of course, led the league in wins, and Strider had a historically great rookie season. Uh, so, yeah, the Braves are in good shape with their starting pitching. It, it is a little surprising that so many people, I think, want the Braves to go out and go really, really big uh, to go out and get a starting pitcher on the free agent market. I think us Braves fans just have always appreciated dominant starting pitching. I mean, uh, that's part of being a Braves fan, especially the Braves of the 90s. So, yeah, I mean, I understand that. But uh, let's go through the Braves' internal options first for who might step up as their fifth starter. And then after that, maybe go into uh, the free agent market a little bit. So Mike Soroka, uh, Elder, Muller, Anderson are are all in line to vie for that fifth starting spot. And there are certainly others that haven't broken uh, into the bigs yet for the Braves that could could do it, you know, uh, that we're not talking about. I don't really want to dive into into those options today. But, you know, I, I think those four names, any of those four, if they stepped up and had a great season uh, with the Braves, I would not be shocked. Um, I want to talk just briefly about Mike Soroka. Um, I want to throw you guys over to another podcast, um, the David O'Brien's podcast with The Athletic. Um, he had an interview with Mike Soroka this past week that I listened to. It's over an hour long. It was really good. You know, I've always been, I've told you guys, I'm a huge fan of Mike Soroka. I'm pulling for him. Uh, that's going to give you a ton of insight into Soroka's, particularly his last season. Uh, maybe some of the reasons that uh, his um, his timetable got pushed back to, to the point where in September uh, they shut him down, even though, you know, he was up at AAA and made several starts. It's really good stuff. And honestly, I came away with it. Um, I came away from it pretty encouraged that Soroka is going to have, you know, the first normal offseason uh, in quite a while and that his um, his leg is pretty much back to normal or as close as it could get to this point. And now it's just a matter of him getting back into the normal routine of being a starting pitcher and, and vying for a spot. So. Uh, again, I've always said you can't bank on Soroka. The Braves certainly aren't going into this season um, just 100% like Soroka is going to be the guy. Um, but I really think that with these four options, the Braves feel really good about where they are in their starting pitching. And I think they do believe in Soroka. They've spent a lot of time, a lot of money helping him to rehab. And, um, you know, so they're invested in him. And I think Soroka is probably going to prove them right this year. I I really think Soroka has a great chance of maybe he doesn't come back and immediately be the guy that he was in 2019. But I think he has a great chance of being a solid starter uh, through the course of the season. And that these other guys could also certainly step up and do some good things for the Braves too. I think you could also see one or two of these guys be traded in the offseason. So that could happen. It wouldn't shock me if, if Anderson, if the Braves kind of moved on from him, 
or if Mueller is, he's kind of reached the point where, um, you know, another team has a spot and, and values him maybe a little bit more than the Braves. But I do, I do from these four, I, I definitely highlight Soroka's name as the guy that I, I would bet on being the fifth starter with maybe Elder being the guy who would be your sixth starter coming back and forth from AAA some. And then if you have an injury, you plug him in and it, it goes from there. Now, that being said, I mean, could the Braves go out and still make a big splash or could they go out and get, you know, uh, kind of a cheaper fifth starter option to, to plug into the mix? Yeah, I think that's probably likely actually. But in terms of a big splash uh, on the free agent market, I don't think it is very likely. So don't get your hopes up. Uh, my other conspiracy theory that I've, I think, mentioned one time before uh, to you guys is I think the Braves are going to be in on Shohei Otani when he becomes a free agent. That's going to happen after this season. Uh, Otani, to me, just fits perfectly with what the Braves are about. He's a super nice guy. He's, he's team-oriented. He's perfect in the locker room. Uh, he's just a really solid dude. Uh, on top of that, he's tremendously talented. And, you know, the Braves have always been really hesitant to give big uh, free agent deals or long extensions to their starters. You know, Max Fried is an example of that, still waiting for an extension for him. There's just a lot of volatility and risk with pitchers uh, compared to position players. But obviously, the unique thing about Otani is he can hit 30 home runs a year. He can be a tremendous uh, DH, um, bring tremendous value to the DH position, even if he were to go down, uh, with, with an arm injury. So, you know, it really mitigates a lot of that risk if you were to sign him to a big contract long term. So I think Otani makes a lot of sense for the Braves. I do think they like him a lot. Obviously there's going to be a huge market for Otani and, um, so it's not going to be cheap and it would be pretty a pretty unique thing for the Braves to go out and and sign somebody like him to a massive contract. But I do think it's possible uh, with that. I mean, could they go out and try to get him this year and then sign him to an extension? OK, yes, I think that is possible, too. But the Angels have said um, multiple times that they're not going to do that. They're not going to trade him this year. Now, could that just be talk? Yes, it absolutely could be talk. Uh, and they do it. Uh, so it's maybe something to just keep an eye out on. But nonetheless, that's kind of in my mind. So because of that, I think it's even less likely that the Braves were to do something big this offseason with one of these three guys. So I mentioned these guys now. So Jacob deGrom is the obvious biggest name on the free agent market in terms of starting pitching. deGrom will be, he's 34 right now. He'll be 35 kind of early into the start of next season. And he's probably going to ask for a Max Scherzer type of contract. So Scherzer got, I think it was three years, $43 million per year. Just an insane um, average annual salary. And, and that's probably what DeGrom is going to command. The really scary thing about DeGrom is his injury history. While he hasn't been on the shelf for you know a year plus with a major arm injury, He's constantly going on the injury list. So the last several seasons, it seems like DeGrom has been hurt for about half the season. And that was true last season. When you're paying a guy $43 million a year and he's missing half his starts, obviously the value 
goes way down. So with the Braves, who have never uh, paid any player that kind of annual salary, would they go out and do that for DeGrom? And I simply don't think they will. Uh, it just, in terms, you know, Alex Anthopoulos, the one thing I know about him is he's all about value, player value. And he's almost blind to it in terms of, you know, who the player is or that sort of thing. He's going to look at things in a very black and white way. Um, with giving Jacob DeGrom $43 million a year make sense from a value standpoint? And I think the answer is just flatly no. Um, if he was perfectly healthy, maybe the answer is yes. But I don't think uh, his injury history uh, just gives you any kind of confidence. Uh, Justin Verlander is the next guy, right? So Verlander is likely to command a very similar annual salary. Now, you might be able to get him for on a one-year deal. Uh, because of his age, he's going to be 40 next year. Uh, but of course, that's the point. Are you going to give a 40-year-old 40 plus million dollars on a one-year deal? Um, somebody certainly will. Will the Braves? Um, I think the other thing I wanted to mention with this and connected to the, my Otani conspiracy theory is I think when the Braves brought back Charlie Morton, the answer was they weren't going to do anything else big on the starting pitcher front this season. I think that was their big thing that they did. I think they preferred that in giving Morton 20 million versus giving Verlander 40. And yet Verlander is, is the better pitcher, right? DeGrom is the better pitcher compared to Charlie Morton, but $20 million is a lot less than 40 and 43. So <laughs> that's kind of obvious. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's what that meant. As much as I didn't like them giving Morton 20, Thought they could have given him 10 or 15, but uh, but nonetheless, that's what they chose to do, and that's how I'm reading it. All right, the last guy I'll mention is Carlos Radon. Um, had a great season for San Francisco this year. Now, he's different because he's only 30, right? And he's going to command a little less per year, uh, closer to 30 to $32 million per year probably. Uh, the scary thing about Radon is he's had multiple arm issues uh, over the course of, you know, earlier in his career, he has had some great, um, great bounce back seasons in the last couple. So I do think he's a great pitcher. He's probably worth 30 million a year, but, uh, being 30, you know, somebody's probably going to step in and give him five years, uh, six years. And I don't think the Braves would do something like that. Again, they are risk averse. Uh, I think they're, um, unwillingness to give Max Freed an extension shows you this, that they're risk averse with pitchers. And I don't think they're going to do that with Carlos Radon, somebody that they have not had in their organization. So if you're really hoping for the Braves to go out and make a big splash on the starting pitcher front, I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe they will shock me. I might come back and eat crow and just say, yep, I was, I totally misread this. And would I be totally unhappy if they went out and got a DeGrom or Verlander or Radon? No, of course not. I think if they do that, it means that Dansby Swanson doesn't come come back. Um, you know, there are obviously going to be some, um, some impacts to that kind of huge financial decision for the Braves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is possible. And maybe they're working with much more money this offseason than I'm even considering. Uh, but I, I think it's very unlikely. So... Um, I'm not going to go into any bullpen options this year. I did mention that uh, I think the Braves will continue to address the bullpen. They've done so in some small ways already, right, with Jesse Chavez, 
with Anderson. I like those depth moves. Um, they might continue to do that um, around the corners. I would like to see them maybe go out and get one other really solid reliever, uh, particularly right-handed reliever, but uh, we'll have to see where they where they go with that. Again, um, you know, I think some other some other pieces might fall into place uh, for them this year. They will not have Tyler Matzik. Remember that. Um, I think it is very unlikely uh, that they re-sign Kenley Jansen. Um, but but I think the bullpen is pretty solid. So I think one or two other pieces in the bullpen that don't cost a ton of money is probably what they do uh, this offseason. If they don't go out and spend any money on a starter, then maybe they have a little bit more money in the bullpen and they will continue to invest in that. And I would not be unhappy with that. But anyways, as we go back through, you know, so I've, you know, last episode, I talked a lot about Dansby Swanson and the shortstop options. And today I've talked about left field and starting pitching. What do I think the likeliest thing to happen will be this offseason? I think the likeliest thing will be that Dansby Swanson resigns with the Braves and that the Braves choose to keep familiar faces in left field. So what would that be? That would probably be Eddie Rosario plus maybe Vaughn Grissom sliding into uh, left field, uh, you know, maybe platooning him with Rosario or Duvall comes back and you have a Duvall Rosario platoon. Now, do I love that option? I actually do not. I I would probably go out into the left field market and get a Benintendi, but will the Braves add a Benintendi and Swanson? I think it's unlikely they spend that kind of money this offseason. Uh, you know, there are some other options I mentioned out there, like trading for an Ian Happ um, or, you know, going out and getting um, a, a cheaper option in left field that would be a little more consistent than what we've had in these past couple of years. Um, I also think if Swanson comes back, it's maybe just as likely that, that the Braves look to trade Vaughn Grissom for a left fielder. Um, you know, would he be the primary piece if they went out and got Ian Happ? or traded for, um, you know, fill in the blank of who else you might go after. Uh, I love Von Grissom. I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but I think he is the most tradable um, guy. And when, you, when you're talking about value, there's certainly going to be plenty of teams out there looking to come, come after him to acquire him. Uh, you know, I think if the Braves are unable to sign Swanson, uh, there is really no telling where the Braves are going to go. There are so many options they could they could pivot to you know look going bigger in left field. They could look at one of these other big shortstop options that I mentioned. I think one interesting thing is Xander Bogarts. I think he and Dansby are much closer in uh, value, and the Braves could even value Bogarts more positively because of his bat than Swanson. So I think you know if Swanson and his money get to a certain point, let's say twenty five twenty six million dollars per year and Bogarts is right there at 26, 27, 28, then maybe the Braves pivot to Xander Bogarts. I know that he has a really good reputation of being good in the clubhouse. He's a, he's not as good defensively, but he's a solid defensive shortstop, and he's better offensively. He's been more consistent, certainly over uh, his years in the big. So I, th I think if any of um, those shortstops, you know, just in terms of what the Braves might do, I think Bogarts is the one to keep an eye on. I don't think the Braves will go after Turner. I think his market is probably going to get pretty crazy. I mean, you're talking 
32 to 34 million dollars a year i just see no way that the braves are going to do that and it might be pretty similar with correa i like correa a lot um, as a player i think he is you know i mentioned this in the last episode he's probably the most well balanced of any of the shortstops in terms of both his defensive value and his offensive value um but bogarts is pretty close to him in those regards so uh if it's not swanson and the braves still you know shell out big money i think it's bogarts i think the other one if milwaukee chooses to kind of tear things down this offseason uh would be willie adamas and I, I like that option a lot too he's obviously much cheaper the braves would have him for two seasons um and he's a better offensive uh player than swanson uh right now so uh shortstop is is really the hub of what the braves you know are are going to look like next year but left field is a close second for me and again i don't i don't think the braves are going to do anything big uh with the starting pitching uh but i really am still looking and you might think i'm crazy because it's been so long since he's been on a mound big league mound but i'm still looking at mike soroka as a you know somebody who could really bring something to the braves in a big way in 2023 so Call me crazy, but that's, um, again, I wouldn't bank on it if I were the Braves, but it's um, it's certainly something I think they're hoping for, and it's certainly something that I'm hoping for as well. So, all right, guys, well, that is the episode um, this time around. The um, I think in the next few days, you're really going to see um, the free agent market, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to get really active here. I think the Braves typically have been really active early in the offseason in a way that a lot of other teams aren't. They tend to try to get things done as quickly as possible. And um, I would not be shocked if that happened uh, early on as well. I think th I think if Dansby Swanson does come back to the Braves, uh, he's going to sign early. And I think the longer it goes, that means that um, the Braves are not giving him an offer he likes and he's exploring other options. And then it becomes really likely that he doesn't return. So look for that. And um, all right, guys. Well, next time we will move on. I'll probably talk a little bit more about just the happenings of uh, free agency and the offseason. Uh, probably get into some of um, the Braves uh, minor league stuff and also maybe dive into some of the other guys on the team that are coming back and looking towards next season. Hope you guys uh, have a great, uh, great week uh, as things are starting to get colder. Uh, unless you're down south and uh, things never get all that cold. But uh, where I'm at, things are getting a little colder. I'm starting to hunker down for, for winter. But um, also, it's kind of exciting to be in the baseball offseason. So I will talk to you guys soon. 